Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Stream of Thought. And today, Victor and I have a very special guest, somebody who has been the topic of so many conversations and now finally gets to add his voice to this conversation, Father Joe Saccone. And today, we start off with Victor's eh, little addiction to roller skating, what Father Joe's thoughts are on that as he's living the life out in L.A. Then we transfer into the fears that all of us have had in various points of our lives, from moving places to changing careers. All of that is wrapped into one, and we round everything out with a philosophical conversation about what's next for each and every one of us. It's an episode that you definitely don't want to miss. A lot of stuff in here. So with that being said, episode number 209 of Stream of Thought, we hope you enjoy. How's it been having Ricks finally on the East Coast? You guys are like Most a tag time, team. You're a duo. Most of the time, it's totally awesome. But, you know, you've known him a long time. Sometimes he could be a handful. I know. Yeah, Robin know, can sometimes get on Batman's uh, Batman's nerves, I'm sure. You guys, that's how I see you guys, like that, t- that like a team like that. A one, I'm, I'm two, learning, th- learning how not to step on his cape. That's my, that's my okay. main goal. No, he's been telling me that he's gone to some of these, some of these weddings that you guys go to. You give him the one-two punch. You're bringing along the, uh, the up-and-coming legendary priest in the making, and I just, I have that visual in my head, and I would think if I was a guest at the wedding. And I see two priests. I'm like, oh, wow. This is this is real legit to have two of them. And, Victor, in all seriousness, when we walk in, especially to rehearsals, the couples all recognize him from Zoom. And they go crazy for him because he's young and strong oh, and handsome. Right. Oh, my God. Father Ricks is here. Blah, blah, blah. It's, like, so freaky. But it's, uh, but it's not really Batman and Robin. It's more like Peter Parker and Spider-Man with him. So it's a, it's a different twist. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, when Ricks was telling me about moving, because I could I could sense the trepidation because he likes his space, he likes his familiarity, and I was like, "Dude, you're gonna be fine, man." And this is in we're exact opposites in this regard because he kept asking me over and over, "Did you like have a plan? Like what?" And I was like, "Dude, I just went out and drove. I don't know how. Like I don't know how else to explain. It. I just." did it and then of course we're talking you know after he gets there after a few days and he's having the time of his life so i will i I will i will say so and i i talked to this about uh with victor where we actually had probably one of our first like butting of heads uh and and that was probably maybe four or five months ago or something like that where I don't know. I think we both had accelerated adrenaline going on in our own brains. And I remember, Victor, you saying to me, "I'm listen, you have an opportunity to go out east. Why are you not doing it right now? I'm not going to talk to you or record another episode. I got so upset because this is exactly what happened. Because you had told me, uh, and I can't remember if I explained this to Father Joe, but when you told me, like, oh, by the way, you know, yada 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 i was like wait what you mean this entire time you could have gone there earlier and i was like okay all right all right and then after we were recording you know because this is a conversation we had after we record an episode and then i'm sitting there and dude it just ate me up it consumed me for like 15 minutes and without realizing it i just became more crazy and crazy and crazy and that's when I just started firing off the text messages like, get off your butt, do this, you don't even, because I saw myself in you. And I remember living at home with my parents and, you know, mom or dad says, do this, or do that. And in my brain, I'm like, no, I got it under control. I'm doing this, doing this, doing this. And I'm just like, she just listened to my mom from like the first day that I had to move back in with my parents. That's why I became so emotionally charged trying to, you know, Grab you if I was in person, I would be grabbing you and shaking you. But oh, you sh- yeah, you it's because I cared. It's because me, I right. cared. Yeah, I cared. That's why. And this is not a pick on Father Rick's day. It's not. I'm glad I'm I'm part of this team. But Victor, 
you have such insight. You've known him for so long. Why is he so nervous? It's just, he's like, this is a great opportunity to do so much. And, you know, like 4th of July, we literally have a four-story house here. So I'm on the deck watching fireworks galore. And he's like hiding out in the basement till I finally call like, there's fireworks. And then he comes up like, oh my God, this is really cool. I know it's really cool. Be like Victor. Yeah. Climb up the stairs. But I've learned about my, you know, reflecting on my own life as well. There are things that for whatever reason, I, it's so difficult to adapt your personality to one thing or another. And I'm sure, Ricks, you feel this way because I feel this way too. Whenever I think back on decisions or whatever, it's like, why? Why? Why can I not move past this? Why is it? I know what I need to do. I know how to get there, but I'm just not doing it. And the bottom line is it's more painful to do what's right than it is to just sit there and do nothing. And I don't know why. I have no idea. It's just, it's part of life and exploring yourself, I guess. Victor, you know, I don't disagree with you. That change is tough. I get it. Um, and I, I don't know why I've been lucky enough to be a chameleon all these years. Um, but I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if um, it's you're happier if you just stay in that status quo. Um, I know it's harder to take a chance and to do something new and different. And and Rick's is. I have such respect for him, and I'm so glad he's here. This is going great. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit older than both of you, but, you know, no matter what happens, I just jump on the next train. But, you know, Victor, I'm watching you on Instagram. You're freaking rollerblading all over uh, California. Yeah. I mean, you, <laughs> yes, don't even you, start bringing that up. <laughs> but you do everything. I mean, and you seem to do it with limited fear. Um, but it's not just for Rick's, but how, you know, for your listeners and even for me, tell you the truth, how do we compensate for fear? How do we get rid of that? I think the most difficult thing to comprehend is that it's not real. It's just, it's in your head. It's just a thought, I love that. right? It's just a thought. That's that. really what it is about the future. And, it, and you you think about things that may never even happen, but also, you know, you have to ask yourself, you know, why am I afraid of this? Whatever it is. And a lot of it has to do with your subconscious. So you don't even realize, you know, let's say for example, uh, you're, you're constantly, you know, the new, you, let's say you're always moving around. You're constantly the new kid at school, you know, you've, and you just can't seem to make any friends. And no matter what you, you do to try and make friends, the result is always the same. But what I've learned with is, and that was not my experience, but what I've learned is that life, like there's every moment is unique. So just because there's a pattern of things being a certain way doesn't mean it's always going to be like that. So let's say you're moving around and you start telling yourself, well, what's the point? I'm not, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to make any friends anyway. And then you, a few years go by, you're, you're looking through life through a lens of your, of the subconscious. And so just having that thought, what's the point already takes you out of the running is already you not knocking yourself down as opposed to, you know, you're moving around six or seven years on the seventh year, maybe you have the time of your life. I don't know. But going back to your, just the original question before I digress too much in regards to fear, it's just understanding that it's, it's, it's just a thought. And also it's natural to be fearful because it, it, is. it keeps you alive, right? It, it preserves your very existence. But now we live in an age where we don't have to worry about, uh, real threats there's a difference between between fear and danger right danger is very real fear is a product of the mind well i, I kind of want to hear from like father rex he's been here almost three weeks now and i've made you do a whole bunch of new and crazy stuff how is it going how are you feeling about it it's it's been it's been a transition uh but you know you know what i keep going back to and i think kind of a cornerstone for me is that 
when I've done new things, um, whether it be like moving to New York City for Union Theological Seminary, or I mean, even before then, going to Des Moines, Iowa, that was a totally foreign concept to me, leaving the state. Um, and then coming back into ministry, having to leave ministry, and then going up to Minnesota, all that. I mean, there's this, it, it feels like I'm entering new situations with completely uncontrolled variables, and me being kind of the intellectual person that I am, where I like to process the data that comes in, uh, it can be a little overwhelming. But I think the thing that I think about is the fact that this feels like home because I've been here so many times over the past decade. And so now that I'm back here, it's not, it's not too unfamiliar, but I will say in regards to what we're doing in ministry right now, because father Joe, you have all of these weddings that are coming up. What we still have 70 left for the remaining six months of the year, something like that ish. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to t- try and and take in and process. And I mean, I'm I'm not uncomfortable with that, but it is it takes it takes a recalibration of my own internal circuits, so to speak. And you know it. And and this hopefully we can get into this maybe a little bit later. But like the ups and downs of kind of the the ministry that I'm doing, but also, you know, watching you and and doing all that, there's a lot of ups and downs, there's a lot of fluctuations in emotions, and uh, that's a little bit bit disorienting for me, because it's been a while since I've had to go through that experience. (laughs) Yeah, it's always rough when you have to readjust. Like, I, well, I'll touch on it just for a second. Father Joe, anytime Ricks and I get together, he's always asking, you know, hey, what's new? I'm like, dude, nothing. I've just roller skating has taken over my life. That's that's what's new. I and I've taken my life over so much that I haven't worked in like two months or so. Anyway, I come August, I'll well, I've told myself, okay, in June I'll go back to work. Or then it was July, and it's like, ah, you know, I'm comfortable just roller skating all day and not working. But I know when the time comes that I'll have to go back, it's just going to be like, oh, my goodness, I'm, like, working now. This sucks. But you, it you, it takes so much time to, like, develop a new routine. It's tough. And I know you were so exhausted telling me about all the work that you were doing. I think I told you, like, give it a month. You'll be, you'll be okay. That's how I felt when I went from the park district to working at the grocery store. The park district, you know, 40 hours a week, but – you're hanging out, you're having fun, you're making jokes, there's no competitors, there's no customers, you you don't finish your job, you get it done tomorrow. And at the grocery store, it's like fast-paced, you're always having to work, no time, it was the exact opposite. I'm just like, this sucks. And then after a month, you get used to it, and it's fine. But Victor, you know, first of all, I, I applaud that, and I agree with it. I have, see, even though I work, and you know, Rich is observing this firsthand, I work like a maniac, but I... He does work like, like a maniac. I'm, I'm just going to say my, that. <laughs> my three main jobs that I've had in life are jobs that I would literally do for free. And the priest thing I'm doing for free just goes to ministry. A cop, I freaking... I had the time. I was 19 years old. It was 20 years that went by in the blink of an eye. I loved it. In the middle of that, I started teaching college. I loved that. So, you know, I get... Doing something you love comes first and foremost, and I am so glad that you're doing that. But, you know, I'm pretty fortunate. I have a police pension that's there the rest of my life. But how do you pay bills, though, on that rollerblade thing around California? Yeah, it doesn't pay the bills right now. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Do but... you need a church donation? We can help <laughs> you. <laughs> I told that today. We help the poor. <laughs> I don't – it's very interesting – out here because I, I don't know how it is on the East Coast, but for example, in the Midwest, the mentality is you don't leave your job until you have another one lined up. And right. out here, there are just so many people. The gig economy is so large because everybody out here is trying to make a career in the industry, no matter what it is that you do. And so out here, it's kind of like, you know what? I'll figure it out later. I'll you know I'll I'll be okay. I'll I'll deal with it when I'm forced to deal with it. So which Victor, I've done a few times and it works everything works out. 
if I could ask at this point in your life, because I know when you moved out to LA, it was about getting an acting gig and like progressing in that element. Where, where do you find your, your ultimate aspirations at this point for father Joe? Honestly, this might sound ridiculous, but my current aspirations are, is just to be, (laughs) the best roller skater I can be. That's all I freaking care about right now. That is all, that is really all I care about is just roller skating. And I've gotten lost in the sauce. I'm just, I can't believe, I mean, I started at the end of February. It wasn't really until the middle of April that I started kind of being in the community. Cause I went to a different spot where there's a lot of people. I start meeting a lot of people and everything like that. And so since April, really it's, totally taking over because I go for hours and hours and hours and I can't stop. That's all I think about. And that it, I straight up have an addiction to roller skating. When I, I went, this, I went the other morning for like two hours, I came back to my apartment, ate, took a shower real quick. And then I was like, okay, well, what do I do now? Uh, well, I guess I'm just going to be waiting for four hours until we go roller skating again with my friends. Cause I went by myself, but it's like, all right, that's, that's all I think about all day at night is roller skating and and father joe just just so like little background um it was it was what like six months ago or whatever victor played the market Detroit, and so he's financially stable currently at the moment um at least as far as i'm aware but oh right yeah that's kind of what a lot otherwise it would have worked sooner i mean i definitely could have taken i mean i could have taken so this is exactly what happened to give you guys some context. So by the middle of March, I was like kind of getting burned out from working, doing the Postmates deliveries because I was doing that a lot. And then my mom was visiting the last week of March. And so I took off uh, that week. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take some time off because I just need it. So I took off another week. And then during that time... I had made money trading Dogecoin. And so then I was like, all right, I'm going to take the rest of the month off because I need this. I can't stand it, you know, when you you take a break and then you go back to doing what you're doing and it feels like you never took a break at all. And so I was like, all right, I'll take, you know, the whole month off. And then I was like, all right, come June. Get back to work, come June. No, come July. Get back to work, come July. I haven't worked yet. I've just gotten lost in the sauce of roller skating because it's the one thing that I I just love and I'm so passionate about it and I love all of the people. And acting, of course, is still important to me. But at this present moment in time and space, roller skating all the way. You know, Victor, again, um, I just think that is so important. I mean, so few people in the world actually get up every day and just do what they want. Um, and, you know, and maybe I'm pushing bricks too hard. I mean, it, you have to enjoy life. You have to enjoy the experiences. You have to enjoy opportunities. If we learned anything from this pandemic is life could be over just like that. Just try to enjoy what brings you some happiness. So, you know, uh, and, you know, I, I guess it's just reflecting on myself. What always made me happy was work. But I was fortunate. I had three amazing um, jobs. And now... Um, you know, the priest thing, it's not just the job that's really great. It's my boss. I get to work for God. That's like really kind of cool. So um, so I get it. But keep roller skating, except roll a blade across the country and come to New Jersey. We want to see you and take you out to dinner. <laughs> I plan on, uh, well, when I go to Europe, I don't think I'm going to bring my skates. But now, after having d- done this for so long, or not so long, but for the last several months, I can't imagine not bringing my roller skates somewhere to at least just see what are the where are the spots you can skate because that's really it. It's you have to do what you love doing, and it's interesting because I never would have thought I enjoyed doing this ever. I mean, I, I I thought honestly roller skating was dead. I don't know how it is on the East Coast, but in the Midwest, there's Lombard roller rink and you go there for a birthday party maybe once or twice when you're a kid and then you drive by and you're like that place is still in business why haven't they torn it torn it down 
but uh, it's just yeah, Father Joe. That's exactly. It. I mean, you're like you said, you're lucky. You with the, the work that you've been doing, you love that work. But a ton of people like myself and several others, we have to keep working the job for money until the passion projects just start paying us, right? And you just well, do well, that. You know, I, I just have to, continue I have to, to do thank it. Father Ricks for uh, last week. Uh, last week, he convinced me to take a little break. I went to my condo in Florida, um, and I walked the Gulf of Mexico every morning and every night for sunset. And it, it was only four days, two full days, two half days. And, I, and to be honest, I didn't want to come home. Um, he actually handled all the prep stuff. It was absolutely amazing just to, to be around beauty and nature and the water. And uh, so, you know, I get it. And, you know, I, maybe I should be beating myself up more about taking more time off or doing more things that are really important in life. The work is always going to be there and people will take over. And that's the whole point of Father Rick's being here. And hopefully he's the wave of the future for this wedding ministry and everything that we need to do. Um, but Victor, when you do get here, you're going to have to put me on uh, rollerblades and teach me how to do this because I'm following your lead. I think you know what you're talking about. He, Joe is too valuable to have you do that. I, I don't. I, I will. I will nix that in a second. <laughs> that is not going to happen ever. That is a huge endeavor because a lot of the stuff that looks so simple is so. I mean, I'm not even. I don't even consider myself that good because people sometimes you know people who are newer will be like oh my goodness you're you're so good you're so talented how long you've been skating oh my it's you've only been skating two months or three months or four months i've been skating for like a year i'm like well do you do it every day no it's like yeah you i do this every single day because it's well victor to be honest i've seen a a few very dramatic falls on instagram (laughs) i've i've had a few falls where you hit the pavement and you try to skate it off and you're like you know what? I'm going to need to sit down for about 15 minutes, <laughs> but it's tough because I see some of the videos that I do and it's like, okay, this, it looks smooth. It looks good, but it takes hours and hours and hours and hours. I am, hours. I'm a quick learner and I love taking chances, but that Rex, he keeps trying to kill all my fun. So talk no, to I'm not saying, there. yeah, exactly. I'm not saying I'm not going to show you the ropes, <laughs> but I'm sure with your experience, just with the, uh, being involved in the church and your experience having been a police officer and just life in general, you know how much work needs to go into something. But what's so great is that you put in so much work and you get back very little output, but slowly over time you put in less work and the output is a lot greater. But yeah, I'm down to show you for sure. The thing I really just want to do is to be able to like martial start the musical start and like a rollerblade down the center aisle. That would be freaking awesome, especially with all those vestments flying. Maybe do a right little Rick's spin. Is that a cool idea. <laughs> you could go roll no. out, do a little spin. I know. Finger gun to open. Father Rick's. Father Rick's rolls in, does a spin. Welcome to the 21st that? century. There we go. Rick's, you might need to learn how to roller skate. I'm debating that might be a prerequisite for my future wedding. So, oh, cool. Your heads up. <laughs> see, see, normal people would say, oh, learn the waltz or the tango or something like, you know, emotional. Yeah. All right. Roller skating. That's fine. Whatever. Non-roller <laughs> skaters, not invited. <laughs> it was interesting, though. I, I was kind of caught up on that point that you were saying where, like, the break that you're taking right now and the fact that you didn't want to feel like you had to return to what you were doing that kind of, I mean, it required a lot of energy and whatever, and those breaks are nice, but it's not truly, you know, it, it doesn't, there, there's, there's something that may be missing or something like that. I know, you know, father Joe, um, when, when you had gone on a little bit of break, you came back and you went right back into it. And I was wondering both, like, were you thinking about returning back to that? But also, what, like, what was the? Uh, it was. It, it felt like it was just going back to the grind, and with all the stuff that we have to do this year, making up all the the quarantine weddings and stuff like that. Um, I look at somebody like Victor, who is just in in perpetual bliss. It feels like, and so 
it's it's this kind of weird, especially in ministry. And now that I've gotten a chance to to go with you to um, so many weddings and rehearsals and stuff like that, it feels like it is just it. There's there's such a burden on you that even a vacation doesn't alleviate that sort of sentiment. Uh, to be honest, this is the first week um, that it's felt like work, not um, just. I'm still doing it joyfully. I am still there because I want to be there. But it's the first, um, especially this weekend, because we had a lot going on. First time it felt like work and not just like, you know, God and I hanging out and doing cool things. Um, so it did. And maybe I'm just reflecting on um, having some downtime. And um, and I definitely know that everyone needs downtime, and myself included. But we have obligations. But um we are, you know, nearing the halfway point with weddings and making sure that everyone, that our obligations are there, but, and we do it joyfully. But I think, you know, having you here is going to be really helpful, but maybe more breaks are needed for me. So thank you. you you've recognized it. You got to witness it firsthand. And to tell you the truth, you, um, Victor, I wish you could see him in action. He is um, so wonderful and so attentive and so caring. He is truly the call of a priest, and to tell you the truth, we've had a lot of talks about you, both of you guys growing up and about your spirit and your, your positive influence on him. I just, you know, the only the only critique that I have is is that fear factor. And I, I know, um, and Victor, you said it, you know, fear over danger is important, but oh my God, this is so non-dangerous. This is so full of life and opportunity. You know, Victor, I don't know if you're, you're aware, but New York City, is having its first ticker tape parade since pandemic tomorrow. Uh, the mayor is honoring the heroes of, of the pandemic. And I'm pushing Ricks, get on a bus, go see this, it's history. It's like, no, I can't leave the basement. So it's just like, this is so important. Um, but, wow. I can't believe oh, you called it a ticker tape parade. That's so funny because that's, I don't know, Ricks, if you knew how that started, but the confetti was never confetti. It was nope pieces of the ticker tape from back in the right. day wall street yeah. baby yeah exactly that's that's, <laughs> that's so interesting you say that but to go go back real quick what you're saying it's interesting because there are different i guess you can say maybe filters or facets of fear like whenever we go out somewhere father rick's always asks me hey so what's the plan What's the, what's the plan? What are we doing? Oh, like, God, dude, don't did, even. Oh. I'm like, bro, there is no plan. I don't. I'm, I okay, okay, that. but what are and we doing? Where, where are we going? And I'm like, I don't understand the question, dude. Like, just finish, <laughs> just drink your beer and have a good time. I don't. We could be here for three hours. We could be here for three more minutes. I don't know. I really don't know. Well, I, uh, and he's he's got to know. He's got to know. And I'm just like, I know. Whatever, it's man. Like we go to a rehearsal. We go to a, what's the plan? How long are we staying? Like, what? Go with the flow. This is but, joy. <laughs> but, and in that regard, I am totally fearless. I don't need to know what's going to happen next. Whatever. Same thing with moving out to California. I mean, I, I was lucky that I was transferring jobs. That was the only certain thing that there was. When I showed up, I didn't know where I was going to stay. I was looking up Airbnbs the night at 7 o'clock when I pulled into L.A. Wow. And and then two weeks later, I got an apartment. But I will say this in regards to fear, and it's this is primarily what I was thinking of when I was talking earlier about making the same mistake over and knowing what you need to do and all. But when you're trading stocks, I've realized that like the fear is what's keeping me from making a crap ton of money because I've I've lost and I've gained and I've lost and I've gained and you sometimes you lose a lot and sometimes you gain a lot but to be consistent you need to be fearless and it's when you've when you lose over and over it's so painful to enter a trade because you don't want to lose you don't want to lose but then also you see a setup and you're like oh my goodness this is going to take off but you hesitate and then what happens? It shoots up like 30 cents a share. And and so that thing that you're trying to avoid, you are experiencing by trying to avoid it. So yeah, I'm fearless when it comes to going out, meeting people, moving somewhere. But the hesitation and the fear of 
not having something work out is a facet or filter of fear that I'm working on in terms of trading. So there's different levels and different aspects of life. But for me, it's just, it's, it's a trip, man. Life's a journey. <laughs> well, and I, I think it can translate too. I'm, I'm sure Father Joe has <laughs> some thoughts on, on the translation factor of, yeah, between, between fear, anxiety, all those like things that, you know, uh, you and I have had plenty of just amazing conversations about um, my kind of trepidation and uncertainty into this world that I am so unfamiliar with, like not ministry, but just the, the Catholic faith. And for me, there's, there, there is an element of fear there. And perhaps, I don't know, maybe in the sage words of Victor, that's preventing me from actually kind of reaching a greater potential. What do you think, Father Joe? What, what in your life have you experienced where you're fearful and then you, you think to yourself, oh, that was... That wasn't that big of a deal. I don't know why it was, why I was fearful or anything that you know you need to do, but for some reason you just can't push beyond. You know, sadly, um, sadly, you know, your listeners are listening, and not, I'm a visual type of person, and what your listeners can't hear, I've been waving my flag uh, throughout the whole podcast, and uh, I noticed. Do you know what this flag is, Victor? I know that ha- does that have something to do with the gay community? Is that what that is? That is the Human Rights Campaign Fund. Okay, um, human- it is a symbol of the LGBT okay. community, and we just finished Pride Month. Um, and to tell you the truth, one of the only fears that I had my whole life um, was was growing up, and then um, not only being fearful of accepting myself, but knowing, especially when I did grow up that the world and even my, my family, especially my dad, a former U.S. Marine and um, then a cop, you know, had trouble accepting who I was as, as a gay man. And I remember the first time that I even saw this flag and um, and I it's a sticker, too. I put it on my car and uh, my partner said to me, you got to take that off. You'll freaking get killed. You'll get shot with that on your car about 10 years ago. And he was right. Like, you're right. That hate is alive. Hate crimes are up in the United States. The gay community was always number one. In New York, we're falling behind now. The Asian community has been the, the largest victim of hate crimes. Um, but I was afraid of who I was, and I was afraid because the world hated um, for many years who I was. But now, now the gay pride parade kicked off uh, two weeks ago. It was awesome. It's televised now, and the whole world has changed a little bit. Um, and I'm not saying my fears were unfounded. They were very, very real. The first gay police meeting I went to, uh, there was a bomb threat. They were going to blow up the church that um, we went to have our meeting at. Um, and I've also, as a cop, I've, um, I've picked up victims of, of gay hate crimes that were beaten and slashed and destroyed. So, you know, I get fear. I get it. Uh, and, you know... You know, I'm beating up my brother, Rick Salat, who I cannot care more about, but I still haven't probably reconciled that fear with my own mind about, um, I'm still afraid. And I, I don't talk about this on my podcast, talking about it on your podcast, <laughs> so I feel a little bit safety, uh, right. but it, it, it's, it's still interesting. So fear can truly encompass who we are and what we are and how we feel, especially about ourselves. That's no, one of the things I've a question. You got me. That's one of the things I've learned since living out here in LA. It's it's a it's a totally different world out here and you don't really you can't grasp it fully until you begin living here. And I'm sure I'm just starting to scratch the surface having been here for almost three years, but it's so interesting how you move somewhere that you're not from and the city and the culture and everything slowly begins to unfold and reveal itself to you as time goes on. But one thing one thing that I've learned out here is even though I have hesitations and you know I'm apprehensive about things and what if this doesn't work out or whatever, it doesn't even compare not even close to people who are uh, not who fall outside of the white straight male demographic because out here 
I don't know if you've ever been to LA, but it, the 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 gay community, the LGBTQ community, is so huge, and everyone loves them. And it's just there's a lot of love out here, one love, positivity, all throughout LA. And I think to myself, like, oh my goodness, because now, even now, it's talked about very openly. And I remember growing up in the Midwest, it wasn't something that was, I would say, recognized on a national level or really something that was talked about. And I couldn't even imagine what it's like growing up being a child, knowing that you're different, but not really knowing why you're different or maybe exhibiting uh, characteristics of, of whatever and then having a parent reprimand you and you don't understand why or what's going on and then of course you go to middle school and high school where everything is just worse times a thousand and you sit there and you think and you're like oh my goodness like my fears are so minute compared to what people of that community are just or whatever people outside the white straight male demographic go through and you kind of really just stop and scratch your head and and be grateful that I don't want to say that I don't want to say that you're that you don't have that experience but you just at the same time it's like oh wow like your world opens up and gets a little bit bigger it's like oh my goodness let me just stop and reflect on this and and appreciate the fact that I haven't had to look over my shoulder my whole life you know that that could not have been more insightful and in your assessment of growing up as a kid and being so confused about that and then going to junior high school and high school times a thousand you were totally <laughs> right but then what happened after that actually threw me off because at um at 20 something years old when i joined the police department um literally question number three after your name and address question number three is are you a homosexual um, and if you were, that was against the law then. And it said, if you lie on a police application, you um, are immediately disqualified. And of course I lied, I knowingly lied, saying I want this job so bad. And then I went through, um, I guess it had to be almost 15 years without having a relationship. And um, I wasn't practicing who I was as a person uh, and, and until uh, I met my partner. But um, I lied on that application and lived, at least it was, the law changed 15 years later. So it was 15 years be, living in fear that any minute, um, not only could I be fired, but I could be prosecuted. I, I lied on a government application. So imagine, you know, it didn't, that fear didn't go away in high school. It stayed with me every single day I was a cop. And then, you know, when I was, when I was a cop, then AIDS happened. I worked through that whole epidemic going to people's homes who were dying and other cops saying, I'm not going in there. Gay people are in there like, oh my God, I'm a gay person. I have to go in there and help. And I did. So it was like, wow, what a, you know, high school was easy compared to the next 15 years. Wow. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that struck a chord with me when you're trying to understand where other people are coming from, particularly when the riots happened and, um, mm -hmm. and, all of this, this last year, I remember someone used the term second class citizen. And it was like, oh, okay, well, let me stop and try and reflect on what it means to be a second class citizen. Let me try and look through that lens and, and see. I'm thinking, and it's like, oh my goodness, like, I, I'll never say I get it or I understand, right? But you stop and you think about how would you be treated or how, how would I be treated based on something that has nothing to do with my character and to go through a life of always being looked down on being suppressed being told you know with words or with actions that you are not of value it's like oh my gosh i i applaud you i applaud anybody who is not a white straight male for just the the BS that they've had to go through that has nothing to do with the content of their character. And I didn't really stop and reflect on that until this last, until this last year. Cause also I didn't really have any reason because being a white straight male and growing up in a community that was predominantly white and affluent, there was no reason for me to stop and reflect on my own existence 
but that's what I love about that's why I love life so much is because you're just on this journey of twists and turns and you continue to grow wiser and just have more knowledge and your world just gets so much bigger and as a result life becomes more exciting that's what I found well said and yeah for me I mean it, it was kind of an earlier revelation in college I mean Victor you and I have have had plenty of conversations about my my exploration into that kind of field and I think to myself wow I there are certain things that I just simply can't understand and to to both be you know I like you said it it, it feels awkward to say that you're grateful for not having to go through that but at the same time when it's revealed to you that these things sort of exist especially when it's people who are close to you who've had to go through these things I mean you know like with Father Joe when he's shared these stories with me I feel I feel that pain and suffering and I think to myself I this was something that I was just never aware of uh it was it was a really um yeah, I mean, painful is probably the, the best way that I can kind of describe it because, I mean, knowing Father Joe as, as closely as I do, I, I, man, the fact that the, the PCCI, the Progressive Catholic Church International, as we've changed our name to, um, exists, I mean, that you, Father Joe, growing up as a Roman Catholic and now kind of adapting to this new environment and us being Franciscans and being able to do this sort of worship and ministry outside of the church, there's a joy in the sense that we are breaking boundaries and that we are we are expanding a something that is shrinking on a on a global level. Less people are going to church, less people are kind of participating in religious organizations, and we find people where they are and for all the weddings that you've done, you've also done so many funerals. You've done, you're starting to do baptisms and confirmations, stuff like that. It's a pretty intense feeling to have that it feels like I'm personally on the forefront of something. You actually know, you guys took me on a path I didn't expect to go on, and I was just thinking, cop, but you're 100% right. I mean, I was so excited. I was in seminary when uh, Pope Francis became the Pope, and one of the first things he said, to, uh, about the gay community is who am I to judge? I'm saying, oh my God, this is radical change for the Roman Catholic Church. And then just over a year ago, he he intimated that churches can bless. They can't marry same same loving couples in a church, but they can bless those unions of people part of the parish. But then the Vatican overruled him this year. And Rome said, no, you are not welcome in these buildings. You're not welcome in our church. And, you know, that's, you know, uh, and Father Rick, you said, I, I love my faith. I love being a Catholic. Um, I was brought up in the Roman Catholic faith. I still, in a way, kind of consider myself, I'm a cradle Catholic. But the church has disenfranchised people for centuries from the Crusades on. Um, and the gay community is only one part of it. It's not even the largest community they um, they disenfranchise. For the most part, women, they have disenfranchised women through their through the beginning. I did not even know until you and I got to go to seminary that there was a gospel of Mary. Like, oh my God! And then the Vatican hid it for centuries. What do you mean you have it in your vault? A gospel of Mary. And why wasn't it shared? And it's like there's so much joy in doing God's work. But Religion is a danger. And Victor, you know, we talked about this before the last time you were on our podcast. I love doing what we do, but I just look at it as just doing God's work. I don't look at it as a denomination or a religion, even though I like the PCCI, but it's um, it's just doing God's work that's much more fun. Thank you, Father X. That was a really good point to bring this home. Yeah, that's great that you simplify it to just doing God's work because... We all know people can overcomplicate things, and you just stick to the simplicity behind it, and then you remember why you're doing it. You can become, and I know it's difficult because any institution that there is, whether it's a corporation or a church or whatever, um, you can get lost in the sauce. I mean, there you can become so 
infatuated with your goal that everything that you're doing starts, you know, uh, I guess becomes convoluted because I've, I've experienced that where I get so hyper-focused on one thing, I lose sight of why I'm doing that in the first place. And then you take a step back and you're like, oh my goodness, why didn't I just keep things simple? Just keep it simple. Stay true to yourself. But, uh, yeah, it can be, it can be uh, enticing to take advantage of a position that you're in, uh, which is why I can conclude that a lot of things that we see around us, you stop and you're like, why, why is it like this? How did, the, how did these people get this position? And Because I'm sure they start with good intention. 10, 20, 30 years later, they need to hold on to that. And in order to hold on to that, you start thinking about yourself instead of the greater good and why this institution is here in the first place. Not just church, but like I said, anything. Well said. You know, I I just have to add one thing about God's work. You know, I think you're doing it in so many ways. And, you know, even watching you on Instagram brings a smile to my face every time. And I I have to admit, I did watch that fall like a hundred times and it just kept making me laugh. Like that's God's work. This kid is doing God's work. He's bringing joy to the world. And that's what, and I'm glad you, it is a simple, simple way of looking at it but what a great way to go through the day yeah and that's what i want you to do father ricks we're doing god's work it's simple yeah god's work is just being of service to others and whatever that whatever that means it's not about you so what can you do that puts a smile or helps somebody else it doesn't have to be this grand grandiose thing but yeah it's very simple god's work is you know pursuing your passion and as a result other people enjoy it and take advantage of it it doesn't necessarily when someone says you should be doing god's work you know like the guys on the corner doing do god's work it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go the religious route it just means you know do whatever you feel is the right thing to do that you enjoy doing that puts a smile on your face and puts a smile on others faces as well the thing that was kind of brought up in just trying to keep things simple is in GA, we learned a phrase and it was KISS. The acronym was KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. And a lot of times it feels like, I mean, for me anyway, and Father Joe and Victor too, I mean, you guys know that I tend to overthink things. And when it comes down to kind of that primary focus of is what I'm doing benefiting others? Is what I'm doing the path that God is calling me to be on right now, um, it's hard to overcome that kind of internal cognitive issue of being uncertain, being unfamiliar with new surroundings, and and not really knowing if what I'm doing is the right thing. Especially, um, yeah, I, I will I will bring up that um, a, a service that we had um, on July Fourth actually. It was it was a beautiful, beautiful service that we had. First time back at St. Matthew's in Union City. And it it was just amazing to see people back in the pews and not wearing masks and being able to take communion and all of that. And at the same time, you know, for me, I got in my own head and said, I messed up several times. And that's what I ended up focusing on, uh, is that I, I just, I wasn't, like, I, I wasn't as I don't want to say perfect because I don't think that that would be possible, but I wasn't as good as I had kind of anticipated or hoped that I would be. And that kind of triggered this like negative internal thought um, and led me down a path of, is this the right thing? All that. You no, know, Ricks, what you said is so important. None of us are perfect. And you, you've seen the, the mistakes that I, I've had even in the last week that, are somewhat profound um but it's not about perfection it's just it's more about enjoyment and just you know getting great love out of what you're doing and i've watched you in action with couples with parishioners with people in need you are an amazing counselor um victor rich has been doing a special needs type camp and youth ministry for the past couple of weeks that has me in awe that i can't keep up with him um but it's, you know, all of us stumble, but it's picking ourselves up and saying, oh, big deal, I fell. Um, and you didn't fall that hard. It wasn't bad at all. 
had to turn a page for you. Big deal. It wasn't that bad. But I, I will say, so Victor, I feel like y- I, you can speak to this because you've done so much interpersonal, like whether it's Postmates or whether it's working at a grocery store or something like that, where like you're rolling along, what happens in, I, I, I can't remember if we've talked about this, but what happens when you yourself make a mistake? And you're like, oh, shit, I just messed up or I didn't do something entirely appropriate because yours is just as interpersonal as ours is, if not more so. If I make a mistake, I try and cover it up. And if I can't cover it up, then I just admit it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no regrets. No, (laughs) no. Like, okay. so, for example, more that so more surface level type stuff. Right. You're at work. Did you, you know you? You forget to send the Excel doc or you forget to hop on the conference call or if it's something surface level, then yeah, I'm not going to try and tell on myself. I just try and brush it under the rug. And if it doesn't hurt anyone, it doesn't hurt anyone. But when it comes to relationships or something serious, your natural inclination is to defend yourself, but it just feels so much better to just admit to yourself you were wrong and then just apologize to the person or uh, just putting it out there in the open so that you and whoever you're with can resolve the issue, whatever it may be. And generally, that's the best route because you don't realize, a bit, again, how fearful you are. Like in your head, they're just thoughts, man. You made a mistake. Whatever. By the way, side note. Um I'm sure you can tell my hair is a little bit shorter. Oh, that's right. I did. Okay. Listening to the audio podcast. Yes. Uh, So I did notice that and I forgot to bring it up. This is a story. I think Victor that you should start out with. Okay. So the last time we recorded, we were, uh, we were talking afterwards. Just you're bring me up to speed on, you know, some stuff that you didn't want to have recorded out there. Like we all, well, like we normally do. And for several minutes, I was fixated on your hair. And I was thinking if I should say something, but I couldn't – once I noticed it, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And to paint a picture, uh, Father Ricks was looking a little shabby, like he forgot that he had hair on his head that needed to be groomed on a somewhat I would would say like a a hedgehog. (laughs) Yeah. It was kind of of, – you know, when you get your hair cut short, the hair on the side after a while will start to stick out. And so his head kind of, I took, I told him, took the shape of a balloon, like a balloon, the way that the, the hair all blended together. And I told him, I said, Father Rick, uh, you know, don't, don't be upset with me. I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you something that's going to change your outlook on things. Get a haircut, get a haircut now. It's going to make you feel a thousand times better. You're going to look at yourself in the mirror. You're going to have more confidence. You're going to feel like you're the man. And it's you're just going to carry yourself differently knowing that you look good. Because I felt that way when I cut the long hair. I was like, oh, man, I look so different. I look so awesome. And after like four weeks, it looks okay, but I get a haircut. And then after the haircut, I'm thinking, wow, I look real sharp. And so I made it a point to get a haircut regularly every four weeks because before when I would have short hair, I would sometimes let I would sometimes wait. I wouldn't get a haircut after six or eight weeks or nine weeks. You got to look crisp, especially when you are involved in people's uh, lives, like the way that you are. They're going to remember, and there are photos. You don't want to have a balloon head. <laughs> Father Joe, please, please finish up how this story ends. Does. To know how the story is? He does not at this point. I told him, contact. I, I, I said to Father Ricks, Father Ricks, go to Father Joe, ask him who he knows in town for a haircut, and I bet he's going to be so ecstatic and so excited that he's going to have a guy just for you. So, what happened? How did this come about, the haircut that you have now? He followed your advice and actually asked me, I said, yeah, I have this great Asian bar- um, barber. He's awesome. And afterwards, he puts a hot towel on your head. He massages you, blah, blah, blah. And, um, of course, Rick's was in one of his trauma moments, like, I don't want to leave the basement. I just have to stay home. <laughs> uh, I said, well, 
I'm going to give you a haircut then. And I went up, I got my buzzer, and um, I guess because I'm a gay man, I just it was a natural. So how did I do? How does his hair look? It looks good. It was, no, it it's... was Father Joe that was like, I, I'm going to do this right here, right now. We're doing this right now. And I'm like, no, I haven't taken a shower. Like, I'm, I'm normally used to, you know, kind of prepping for the barbershop and all that. Yeah, well, yeah, you're shaking your head. But no, I was like, I was like, I, I don't know, maybe the procrastin- pre- procrastination side of me was like, oh, I don't know if we should do this right now. It works. It, it definitely it was, works. And it, we actually took our time. It took about 40 minutes. I, you know, I was really, really careful. And then literally for the past like four or five days, he keeps saying to himself, look at this, to everyone. Look at my cool haircut. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? <laughs> and it, it did come out good. So yeah. I'm so glad you convinced him to let me take some liberties. It worked out perfect. Yeah, he can keep cutting your hair. It looks good. But you do <laughs> need to, uh, Rick, treat yourself. Find, you know, maybe let's say, for example, on your after your 10th, wedding or something find a reason and father joe can vouch for me because i've done this and it's amazing find a reason to go to the barber and get the experience dude get the experience of the hot towel sometimes they put hot lather on your neck and then use a straight edge razor to cut the the hairs on your neck you deserve an experience and that's why i understood when i had long hair i understood then why women spend so much money on going to the salon because it is an experience. I was so lucky to have that for free being a hair model, getting my hair cut and just the care that goes into it because great clips isn't cutting it. Fun clips, whatever your budget haircut place is in town, <laughs> maybe is good for an emergency, but you got to treat yourself. I'm not saying you have to spend a ton of money, but life is an experience try and get a little piece of anything that you can even if it's just one time well said i totally agree and i will make sure i take them yeah so just as a as a final end note so father joe has a what are they called an acupuncturist is that is that the, the technical name uh he was going to take me to the the acupuncture place today um and they had to cancel where they stick needles all over your body and stuff like that. I was like, oh, I've never had that experience. Victor, are, have you ever experienced... So let me get this straight. You were willing to go, you, Father Rick's Thorsell, <laughs> were willing to go have needles stuck in your back over getting a haircut. <laughs> that that is getting that right? factual. That, that actually is a factual statement. That's accurate. <laughs> You're more comfortable with needles going in your body than getting a standard haircut? I've never... Uh, gone and gotten acupuncture but i want to what i need i need a massage i need a acupuncture i need uh what's it called the back cracking uh chiropractor because my body just feels so beat up from skating especially a few of those nasty falls sure but yeah ricks go see an acupuncturist do it I've never, and then you tell me about the experience because that's that thing is more in my world, right? Acupuncture, holistic healing—that's more of my world than it is yours. So it would be very interesting for you to have that experience before me, and then you tell me how it went. Victor, this was awesome. You made me so relaxed today. I can't thank you enough. So thank you, thank you for having me here today with both of you. It really was a great day. We definitely need you back sooner than later. This is great. It's it's been about an hour, and I'm thinking I can go another hour with Father Joe. I can go <laughs> all, exactly you know, all day because usually thinking. Ricks and I, after about 45 minutes to an hour, we're pretty much done. But you you add a new uh, a new dynamic, a new element. There's a lot of back and forth, and Ricks and I always feel a little lighter on our feet every time we do an episode. But it particularly feels uh, extra nice just having another personality on and so of course we'd love to have you back and uh i told ricks that i plan on coming to new york at the end of the month before going to europe so it'd be great to even of course have these conversations uh not on the podcast but father joe just summing it all up i love your personality love hanging and talking with you can't wait until we get together in person to hang out 
I can't wait to see you when you come up and you are more than welcome to stay here for any time. So please, I can't wait to see you. Awesome. Rick, do you have anything else to add? So with that being said, episode number 209 of Stream of Thought. Until next time.